You're listening to the Pre-Hospital Care Podcast on the Medics Academy Network. Today I'm with a friend, Lloyd Evans. Lloyd is a GP uh, working in Wales. And what we wanted to do in this episode really as part of the mini-series is interview a cross-section of healthcare professionals um, around the pandemic in focus. So welcome to the podcast, Lloyd. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Brilliant. Lloyd, could you just um, quickly unpack a little bit of your background for listeners? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm Lloyd. I'm uh, I've just turned 32. I'm a, a GP in uh, the South Wales area, um, relatively newly qualified. So I'm, a, I'm what you call a salaried GP. So I, I don't uh, I don't own a partnership at the at the present time. Anyway, I'm uh, I've been a salaried GP almost uh, 18 months now. So I really took on uh, took on my role as a salaried, fully qualified GP, pretty much as the well. I only had about six months before the pandemic, uh, the, the COVID pandemic, kicked off. Um, so that's definitely been a learning curve for me. I'm uh, I'm a family man, I guess. I, I have two children um, and live out in the uh, in the Vale of Glamorgan in South Wales um, with my lovely wife as well. Um, and we're uh, yeah, I, I guess I spend a lot of my time just um, walking relaxing spending time with the kids and a lot of my time on the sidelines of football and rugby pitches basically um, and, and professionally just to give a little bit of background I, uh, I, I I'm a graduate of Cardiff Medical School um, as well as the University of South Wales actually in the in uh, in the uh, sort of South, South yeah South Wales area um, formerly known as uh, University of Glamorgan and um, yeah I, I basically uh, Cardiff Vale of Glamorgan through and through I haven't really ventured much further but interestingly I guess I am looking to and have been for the last two years to emigrate to, to Western Australia um, and clearly the pandemic has really uh, really put a spanner in the works with that but this process started well before this uh, this pandemic so that's definitely something that's on my mind throughout the whole thing. And uh, so, that, yeah, I guess that's my past, my present and a bit about my future, hopefully. Fantastic. Fantastic. Lloyd, um, just from your perspective, working in the contemporary climate uh, within the pandemic, um, how does the how does the uh, current climate compare to the first wave around sort of demand profile and what you've seen on the ground as a GP? So I, I think it's it's definitely different. Um, just to give you a bit of background about my my work environment. So I, I work in a practice that has about 14,000 patients. Uh, it's a, what was known as quite a big practice within our cluster of, of GP surgeries um, in the area. Um, f- from from my side of things, it's it's different this time round. Um, I think because there was initially from a work environment point of view uh there was that scare factor in the first wave there was a lot of there was a drastic change in our working environment and i think patients um general population felt that as well and we saw a real big drop off in terms of our workload and um and all these what we call maybe critical or not critical but at the uh, sort of the 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 amber services i guess we'd call them so if you were to rank healthcare into sort of red amber green green being those that you really have to continue with it was very much that that continued the the the, the green services 
And so we saw a drastic change in our workload. And we thought, crikey, okay, this is really different. It was a bit of a shock. Um, that was the first wave. I guess the second wave now, what we're seeing is those amber and even red services are starting to creep in. They have to. We're almost a year into this now. And so we're seeing um, a lot more unwell patients, a lot more deaths, unfortunately, um, relating to COVID, but also trying to juggle that whilst patients are coming back saying, well, hang on, what about what about this service? What about that service? What about my diabetes review? What about my contraception? I've waited long enough for this. And that's been really quite quite difficult to deal with because you, you're we're feeling that the, the second wave is worse uh, from the COVID side of things, but our workload is almost higher because we're catching up from that first wave. So oh, there was an, almost an element of, of guilt with the first wave in from my work point of view. And I think some of my GP colleagues, some of them may may have been able to to empathize with that and it depends on which area you're in because during the first wave everything was about covid and we really were seeing minimal patients um at times because they, they didn't want to come anywhere near a gp practice they were they were locked down they were keeping themselves to themselves and there wasn't and, and we were only running these essential services um and at times there was a lot of crikey, this is this is quite quiet. So our, our surgery is is uh, sort of only seeing a couple patients walking through the door because so much was done over the telephone. And and at times, yeah, I think we were seeing intensive care units full to the brim. And there was, I don't know if guilt is the right word because we were we were busy, but we weren't necessarily seeing that high volume of COVID patients uh, and high volume of patients. Second wave now. I, I feel we're we're a lot busier um, above the levels of maybe uh, pre-COVID actually, um, and so that is now starting to take its toll. I think we're definitely seeing that higher demand, and and we're actually seeing quite a few more COVID patients coming through the door. Maybe they were staying away in the first wave, uh, and now with with more fear, with more awareness of the of the disease they're coming to general general practice a lot more um so definite difference um and i guess to summarize the first wave there was the fear there was the fear of the unknown there was quite a rigid plan in place at the time lots of lockdown people really were were told what to do and, and were sticking to rules um everything was about covid the second wave i think there's more awareness there's a bit more anxiety uh, both around COVID, but also other health care issues that maybe have been neglected by patients over the year. And they're now coming saying, do you know what, Doc, I stayed away for this, this and this. I really want this dealt with now. And I think so. So um, I hope that gives some summary of the difference between the two waves. In your mind, has has the GP role that you've been doing, Lloyd, um, shifted um, more to online consultation or indeed telephone consultation? Um, and if so, how have you found that pivot from from sort of seeing patient consultation move from a physical space into a digital space? Yeah, no, I've uh, yeah, you're right. We we definitely have gone. So our practice uh, undertook sort of um, what we call the total telephone triage system initially. Um, I, we soon came to realize we can't call it telephone triage. It's actually, we were, we were 
telephone consulting. So it's a telephone consultation system, ultimately. So, yeah, everything is done via telephone initially. Um, there's a lot of anxiety around that by patients first off because they thought, what, you're not going to see me? He's like, no, 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 definitely not. We, we would see people who really need to be seen, but we've come to realise there are lots of services that can be done over the phone. I found the transition okay, to be honest. As I said, I was, I was only six months into my salary GP. I, I'm, only, I was, I'm only 18 months out of training. So for me, there was always a lot of chopping, changing, a lot of go into this environment learn that for six months go somewhere else go somewhere else that's the nature of medicine um i felt i guess that maybe the more senior gps who'd been doing this 20 years and have always seen people face to face for any reason sick notes um general health checks i think they found it tougher definitely um then again they had the experience maybe and could really and, and maybe thought yeah i can deal with this you know i'm, I'm 20 years in so um, I found it okay. I, um, I've, I've, I found that I felt anyway that I was able to manage my patient lists and my time better doing telephone triage, and that's because um, in a normal list you you've got ten minutes with each patient, and within an hour of running of starting your clinic, you may have three or four patients sat around in the waiting room, pacing the rooms, thinking where's Glennon Dr. Evans now? Come on, I've, I've got this, I'm late. And, and, and the anxiety starts building. Your practice changes. You know there's people outside. Um, you know it's busy. You know you're running late. And it, and it gets to you. And naturally, it's going to. And so when, when we introduced the telephone triage, I was able to take a bit more control of my lists. and think, okay, I can see my list. I'm going to pick a few here, a few there. Uh, oh, that's a priority. And I need to see that one. I'm ringing that one first. And I'm going to bring that one down at nine o'clock. But then I know I've got two hours to do that, that and that. And I'm going to bring someone else down at 11. And, and I, you feel a bit more in control, maybe. So I found it good from that side of things. It is definitely harder to make that judgment, uh, for sure. You've spent five years in medical school, five years training in your specialty longer for some always being able to to rely on and uh, and uh, yeah feel comfortable with and encouraged to always examine you know and, and get that gut instinct um, and that was taken away and it's taken a bit of time to get used to but touch wood and there's always going to be there's always going to be adverse events there's always going to be um, mistakes but touch wood, it's been taken on well. We, I, I feel we're doing okay with it. Um, and yeah, and I'm enjoying it at the moment, I guess. Um, interestingly, from my point of view, video consultation was something that was really emphasized early on. Um, and I, I don't know how patients felt about this, but it was this, this sort of... Uh, early on right video consultation great it was the next big thing and, and it was really emphasized we, we employed or we got software in and within a week we were up doing video consultations and there was a little bit of novelty initially we, we were we used it quite well and quite a lot but I'll be honest within a few weeks I was finding that I was maybe only using a video consult once a week one patient a week maybe and I can't remember the last time I used a video consult um, now, simply because, I don't know, it didn't quite have that 
clout that I thought it would. I didn't quite add that information that we felt maybe it would. A lot can be done over the phone. A lot can be done by voice only and gathering that history. Um, I don't know what patient's perspective on that is, whether they felt that video consultation was more beneficial, but uh, I know that my point of view, I don't use it too much. I find the telephone consult probably is enough on top of needing to examine patients when, when needed. So uh, it's been okay. I, I, I think we're doing okay with it. Lloyd, could you, um, could you speak to uh, what you've seen in practice around the impact on stress and mental health within the patient population? And just maybe from your perspective, uh, how it's, you know, how it might have felt innately sort of from a, from a patient perspective, not being able to visit family in hospital or yeah. sort of, uh, and, and any disproportionate effect you've seen um, on mental health in, 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 in the patient population? Yeah, sure. So I guess what I will say is, is mental health is not an area of, of expertise as such um, as a GP. But I'll be honest, we see a lot of mental health. And I think you soon become, um, you know, you soon become quite a lot more comfortable discussing that with patients. Um, we have definitely seen an increase in calls relating to mental health. Um, almost all calls, um, regardless of of the presenting complaint allude to COVID at some in some way. So it's whether they they have uh, well any any presenting complaint. Patients will always allude to COVID at some point in our consultation, um, and so that must have some burden on patients that they are always thinking about this this what they're perceiving as a as a deadly disease, and it is. Um, and so we're seeing increased demand, increased patient anxiety around COVID um, and I guess you, you talk there about patients and that inability to visit relatives in hospital I've had a few calls now that have really stuck with me where patients have had um, uh, relatives wives husbands uh, grandparents in hospital and there is always there's usually that that sort of communication between them they always know what's going on um, and they will often ring the GP and say this has happened with my with my mum my dad can I just talk through it I just want to ask you a few questions um, and we're often able to, to to do that what patients have found difficult this time is I'm getting phone calls and I said I've had a few examples where patients have rung saying my my wife's gone in I have no idea whether she's in this hospital or that hospital even um, I, I I haven't spoken to them for two, three days and, and I'm really desperate. I'm trying to ring the hospital. I'm going through the hotline and I'm struggling to get anything and I'm really worried. Um, please, doctor, can you tell me what's going on? And that's tough because first off, I can't. It's really difficult, um, you know, let, let alone around sort of consent to, to, and confidentiality. That's one thing. But, but even from sort of... Um, even from just the, the hands-on being able to offer advice, it's really difficult. I can't access anything. I can't ring the wards. I can't do that. You know, we've got our own workload and it's, it's extremely busy. Um, and often I can't get through to these hospitals. So that's really played on patients. And I totally empathize with that. Um, and you almost feel helpless. You think, I'm really sorry. I cannot, I cannot give you that information. And, uh, and, and it's almost just trying to sort of 
um, sympathize and, and comfort. Um, but I'm definitely seeing examples of that for sure. It, it is it is definitely present. Um, still, still the case. And then I've had my own personal um, run-ins, I guess, with COVID and, and relatives in hospital. And, and it's, it's no different for me, uh, even with my clinical head on. Uh, or my, my family head on um it's yeah it's it's difficult um so i think we secondly we've had a lot of patients ringing and coming to us uh concerned about the effect that covid has had on their general lifestyle so lost jobs um uh, sort of kids off school um other changes, financial, housing, um, separation from family, um, all this bereavement. Crikey, we, we have so much, so much bereavement actually that, that you know you think, crikey, uh, families are really having to deal with so many things at this stage, and there's quite a lot of trauma and grief around for sure. Um, and so we do have lots of consultations around that, and and often it's it's about signposting in in the right direction there's not this quick fix there's not this wonder medication that we that we are giving a lot of the time um that can help with these acute stress re stress reactions so a lot of the time it's it's signposting it's offering talking therapy mindfulness cbt we do have mental health nurses who work within our practice who have been really useful just to sort of take on some of that um it's it's tough for sure and then thirdly uh i think patients are struggling with and i alluded to this earlier this anxiety around their other physical health so covid has been present in the news it's everywhere and the emphasis early on in this pandemic was covid 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 patients are now saying doc i'm really anxious about Without getting too clinical, I'm really anxious about my prostate. I'm really anxious that I haven't had my diabetes review now. I'm well overdue it. I'm. I used to have my vitamin B12 injections every three months. I haven't had it for nine months. Please, um, you know, what can I do about this? Um, joint injections, all these, all these things that have had to be postponed for um, both workload reasons and safety reasons. You know, we don't we don't take these decisions lightly about which services we we need to really continue with which ones we don't all these things are playing on patients minds and that's definitely having an effect on their mental health for sure and it's we're trying to weigh that up now and really maybe start looking at individual circumstances um it, yeah it's tough and and it's and it's something we're really trying to get on top of but i completely empathize with patients it's it's really difficult Lloyd, could you speak to um, any um, anecdotal experiences you've you've had, um, sort of perceiving any strains of mental health from 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 colleagues, um, and if if so, how so? How 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 is that how is that played out? So, oh, I will say is I work in a very supportive practice. It's a big practice, and that I think really has has a positive effect. We have over. Crikey, between clinical and non-clinical staff, maybe 40 members of staff, maybe 30, 40, I haven't counted, but it's that that helps. And, and as a practice, I think from my point of view, our morale is, is good at the present time. Um, 
but there are there are definitely instances where where we've where we've struggled individuals for sure um interestingly we did have halfway through this pandemic a bit of a bit of a, an afternoon where we we shut the shut the doors and said right we're getting together as a practice um we we were as socially distanced as possible bear in mind this was quite a few months ago now where where there was this or oh, should we wear masks should we not all this was still being discussed um so we got together some via video link some face to face all in one afternoon and sort of started discussing right this is all new to us how how have we dealt with this and so some of the emotions that were coming out were um uh, well yeah were quite staggering um we we discussed uh, so, and you may have seen this and, and the listeners may have seen something similar we discussed something called the um the collective trauma um and reaction sort of uh, timeline and we were that well the time that we met we'd sort of um we we had this graph in front of us and we were trying to work out right where are we on this graph and there's there's various sort of dips and troughs and peaks of of where we are with this and ultimately we we felt that when we met we were in maybe what we called the honeymoon period which is where we've had the impact of the pandemic and there was this initial heroic response we're all in this together we're we're gonna we're, we're really gonna we're really gonna get on top of this and within staff there was we'd gone through this heroic phase and we were almost at this where well, we were we were at this honeymoon phase where we thought Do you know what we're and honeymoon's not a bet, not the best word, obviously, but but we're we're doing okay here. We're on top of things. Um, numbers were just starting to fall, and we thought, you know what, we 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 can start maybe reintroducing some services here. Uh, ironically, since that since that initial tip where we were in this honeymoon phase after the heroic phase, we've probably seen this what we call this disillusionment phase where it's ongoing. We haven't got on top of this. There's an element of helplessness at times, and and that that has had an effect on staff for sure. Um, now I talked about some emotions previously, so guilt is is one thing that popped up quite a bit at times when we were having days off, um, when patient when, when sorry when staff we needed to self isolate for whatever reason, we were we were coming back to work with that guilt, or we were at home with that guilt that we're not there helping out. You know, we we can see people really struggling, patients and staff. So guilt was something that you're not never doing enough. You're never, you know, this is this is a, you know, a rally call. This is a big, a big event. I should be in work. I should be spending every minute of my time helping with this. And obviously, that's not that's not necessarily true. But staff are feeling that guilt that they weren't. Um, there's there was at times sort of a difficult to motivate yourself to come to work some days. Uh, just because it was mundane there were times where you would you wouldn't see patients for a few days or, or you would but not you wouldn't get that that quick turnaround of patients and so it became a bit mundane so i think some staff may have struggled with that motivation more recent in the pandemic loneliness um and the reason for that is because we we've really you know i think every workplace has had to do this and gps are no different you know we, we've gone with the science we've gone with the rules throughout um but we are now, I know I, I'm feeling maybe a bit more isolated in my little room uh, with my phone, my computer, with my, you know, and, and with my patients that I will bring in throughout the day, which is nowhere near as much as, as I used to see. Um, and 
there are just the restrictions within the workplace. We've got 30, 40 members of staff, but I may only see three or four some days um, properly anyway, because I'm in my room. If I venture out, I'm in a mask. Um, we could only have certain amounts of people in a room. Um, and I think for the medical profession, and I'm sure you know the same, Owen, it's a lot of, we rely a lot on offloading and just discussing the odd patient, discussing what happened here, what happened there all done very professionally clearly but we rely on that um and when you don't have that that group of four or five clinicians in a room being able to just vent and and and, and joke and and reflect um that's tough and so that's that's an emotion for me is maybe a bit of loneliness um you could say gps are used to working on their own a lot but this is different. This is this is not having quite that that morale and and staff support that we're used to. For me, it's it's not being able to switch off from work as well. Um, you're dealing with with COVID. You're dealing with your usual routine clinical work, and you're getting home. and And I found all my family wanted to talk about because they didn't have much else to talk about. Bless them, because some of them are uh, uh, well. They're all they're all within a home environment, working from home um uh, all, all they want to talk about is is covid and and what's going on in work and and that's fine it's a chance to reflect for me but again it, it can drag you down a bit you just think crikey i've dealt with this all day and now i don't blame you you want to know what's happening you want to know the latest figures how many patients have you seen how, how much contact have you had should you should you come close and uh, all these things are are um have an effect um and so, and 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 on that, I think my uh, what what I think clinicians and and the medical profession may be dealing with as well is we're going to work, we're flat out, we're we're getting a routine, and that's good. There are lots of people out out of work, and I totally understand that. Um, but we're we're doing you know we've got a bit of purpose we've got motivation we, we have got that direction i am aware that there are lots of people and family members of my own who who don't have that at the present time they're at home day in day out not able to venture out not go for coffees not meet their friends and and my wife especially is is just looking after our our daughter um and my daughter has has additional needs and has found this this lockdown really difficult so actually what's now started to come in with me is not my own, not thoughts about my own mental health and my own anxieties about things. I'm now thinking about my family. I'm thinking, crikey, yeah, this has been 10 months. What effect is this having on my family? Um, and that may be something that my colleagues in the clinical environment can empathize with, that maybe I feel that you know, my mental health is, is, is okay. But what about my family who are now 10 months down the line and, and my son, my daughter who are homeschooling and not seeing their dad and all these things? Um, I'm sure that's going to have a burden uh, for sure. So um, it's yeah, it's uh, it's a difficult time. And, and staff, I think, really have to think carefully about their, their own and their family's mental health. So that's really interesting, Lloyd, and you make a, a number of really interesting insights and points around the second and third order, order effects of, of of the lockdown. Really, not not just not just on 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 NHS staff themselves, but yeah, the the the, the unseens from from a from a perspective around yeah effects on family, effects on uh, effects on children and their social interaction. 
or lack of and then uh, and, and all these unseen effects which marinate under the surface but actually and very much contribute to 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 and impinge on your mental health but again these are unseen factors that 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 maybe when you when you're interacting with other healthcare professionals it, it, it allows you to extend that empathy, even just listening to this, Lloyd, you know, allows even you articulating this is, is fantastic because it, you're right, the, the heuristic or the mindset to apply to this is what are the unseen stresses that, that, that healthcare professionals or that my colleagues are going through um, that I maybe haven't got insight into, but actually I can still extend empathy, <clears throat> especially if you're getting a fraught answer or a sharp answer. It, it's prudent to think what, what, what else might be going on that I can't see or that I don't know that I can at least just extend empathy towards. And, and so that's uh, you give a fantastic insight there, Lloyd. Without a doubt, I think this pandemic has affected people's sense of personal agency and it has done mine from your perspective as a clinician and as a person Lloyd what are the signs you've seen in in other people either patient groups or staff groups or just or just colleagues uh, and friends what are what are some of the things you look for uh, for signs of cumulative stress physically behaviorally or emotionally thinking of this as, as two two types of person uh, two two types a person that will react to, to, to these sort of triggers and stresses. I guess I've noticed that there will be some that have become louder, more in your face, less patient. Um, and, and again, bringing my clinical head on here, patients who are, who are speaking up a bit and, and clearly getting anxious, getting louder. Uh, and you can definitely tell that they are anxious about lack of services, COVID, so, so there's 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 one way which is this sort of uh, this yeah in your face quite clearly anxious quite clearly stressed and then there are others who maybe characters who become more withdrawn quieter and and I guess I could probably probably draw this into staff in work so colleagues there are some who who you think you know I haven't seen x y or z for a few days he's gone a bit bit quiet um would normally say hello uh have a chat now it's just a hello and and walk on um and then you may have others who who you can tell you think, oh do you know what yeah that was a bit that was a bit short that was a bit bit loud or oh that's i've not dealt with that emotion before in that person so i think that's that's what i've noticed is and you may be able to to put yourself into one of those two categories maybe not um but there are definitely some who who have become i use the word loud i don't mean literally raising their voice shouting but i mean okay talking talking more a bit more in your face you think oh that that was a bit bit harsh maybe versus those who who withdraw slightly um and i i guess i'd like to think I've tried to group them into two two groups on speaking to colleagues about how we are dealing with this. I've got a colleague who works next in the next door office to me. And I've always I've taken it on board where I've been told, you know, what, Lord, you, you you've always been, you've been quite steady throughout this. You know, you're not you're not someone who who I think oh, you you really spill out your emotions. Um, you're, you're a pretty steady Eddie. And um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, but yeah, to summarize that, two types I, I'm seeing. Um, personally, 
I've, um, when you talk about physical, we talk about physical, behavioral, emotional, I just made a list of sort of what have I noticed physically? So um, <laughs> laughing and joking about this, I've, I've had to buy some Gaviscon for the first time in my life over the last few months. Um, I don't know if that's my age, but I, I, I suspect it's probably related to a bit of weight gain, um, a bit of poor dietary habits late at night. I, I, I joked about this with my wife last night. I felt that I, I hadn't relaxed all night. I thought, why haven't I, why haven't I come home from work and put my feet up and relax? What's, what is it that's hanging over me? And for me, it was I'd, I'd been used to so, so many evenings coming home and um, so, so I don't drink alcohol. I'm, I'm teetotal, but coming home and actually having a, a biscuit, piece of cake, something sweet. And I, I'm, I thought, crikey, I've been doing that every evening for the last few months. And last night I didn't, we didn't have anything in the house. And I thought, why, why do I, why don't I feel as if I've dropped my shoulders here? And it was that, I honestly, I, I, I thought, God, it's something so simple. So I think diet, comfort eating, as I say, reflux, bit of indigestion, um, weight gain, um, uh, are all, are all these things that people may start noticing. Um, I've, I've been lucky. My sleep, I've always slept well. My sleep is okay. Um, but I know lots of people aren't sleeping too well. There's lots of other things going on. Um, and then you the list of physical clues could go on, but that's mine personal. And I, I don't know if other people have had similar, um, and there's this thought of constantly, right, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to get my, my health back to normal. I've got to eat better. I've got to start exercising for my own mental health, for my own physical health. Um, but it's often difficult to, to, to do that. And I think that's even harder at the moment because there's just, there's no motivation to do anything else. Really, it's really difficult. Um, and then, yeah, from the behavioral side of things, what am I doing differently? Um, and maybe a bit, a bit, maybe a bit flatter, a bit, you know, mundane tasks. You know, I thought, Craig, I, I put the bins out last night. Look, Craig, I felt like I only did that like yesterday. It's the the weeks roll into one, and you become just a bit maybe dejected. So say, a bit mund tasks become mundane, bit flat. Um, what else? Um, I found that because there's less variation in my workday, that the most menial of tasks are met with me going, oh, not this again. So I come into my office, I'll turn my computer on, and it's almost like a trigger. The crikey, not again. Turn my computer on, four days in a row. Oh, right, here we go again. Because there's just, I don't know, there's nothing else happening maybe. So, um, I don't know, I, I fixate on these, on my routines maybe a bit more because that's exactly what I've got. I've got this same old routine. How have you approached your own mental health and mindset to, to optimize it over this pandemic? And, and again, how have you adopted self-care within your practice and maybe out of practice to, 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 to facilitate your mental health? Um, so for me, I think uh, I've, uh, I've got to, I guess, attribute a lot of my ability to, to, optimize my approach and mindset to my wife so my wife is almost um is a venting venting machine for me really um she i think that that could be said the same for many many people many colleagues 
is that it's my wife that tends to, to hear my reflections every day because you try and separate that. It's not not great because, you know, for obvious reasons, you've got to maybe have that differentiation. So for me, it's having someone at home to be able to just clearly with confidentiality, but you will, you, you will always reflect on this case, that case, um, you know, or I, I, you know, this happened today. My wife gets a lot of it. And I guess she's used to that, but there may be some people, some family members who, who don't like that. And, and I completely understand. So always venting. Um, I hate, I felt like a moaner throughout this pandemic. Um, uh, maybe I always have been, but uh, I, I seem to be moaning a lot. And I go, where's this coming from? But my wife is always quite a, she's a pragmatic person. She's always, always put things in perspective for me. And I think God, the, the journey home from work has always, uh, always built, I built things up in my head. And a lot of people use that journey home to, to chill out, put a podcast on, listen, do something that, that takes your mind off it. For me, that's not been the case the last few months for whatever reason. And by the time I'm getting home, I'm, I'm, I'm either seething or, or I'm mulling things over. I'll sit in the car for five minutes and think, oh, did I do the right thing for that patient? Um, because I've been out, out of my comfort zone today. Um, by the time I get into the house and I give it five minutes, I things feel a lot better. I think that's that's really down to a very understanding wife. And that, again, brings me back to what effects that having on her. But it seems to be working for us, I hope. Um, so talking to wife, talking to someone who's not clinical, always, always helps with me. Um, I guess I've, uh, I've started really trying to emphasize that journey home uh as as a release i live about half an hour from work podcasts um uh music uh, but again I, i'm I, I struggle with that at the moment i've always found it quite useful for whatever reason it's not taking my mind off work but i've really tried and some people may get that that benefit from from that journey listening to music podcasts get the windows down and well, I can't advocate doing a few more miles an hour over, over the speed limit at all, clearly. But but you know, get get the wind coming through the car and just just sort of try and get your mind off things. Um, I I had at some point during this pandemic tried some uh, meditation. Um, I am not someone who who has jumped headfirst into that at all. Um, whether that's my steady eddy, pretty pragmatic head. But I've never, I've never been anyone who's engaged with mindfulness, with CBT, with counselling. Number one, I've never felt, luckily, fortunately, privilegedly, that, that I've, I've needed that. Um, but at some points during this pandemic, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to because, because I'm getting, you know, I, I'm because it's affecting me slightly. And I did use that for a few weeks. I'll be honest, I didn't stick with it. Um, and I know it's tough, but. There were there were times where it worked, um, so I do advocate that. I always advocate that to my patients. There's a few mind, great mindfulness apps out there, meditation that um, that I would advocate, but I'm not using it at the moment. You know, even though doctors talk the talk, they don't always walk the walk, and uh, and I'm one of them, <laughs> definitely. But it's uh, it's something I'd, I'd advocate. Um, what else? Exercise. Uh, but again, that's be, always been in, in fits and starts. Um, I've, I've tried to, to stick to an exercise regime at times, and I've stuck to it for a few weeks. But something happens, a trigger, bad day in work, bad weekend, and 
rubbish weather and it and it all falls off um but these are some of the things i'm trying to do and it's just i guess to summarize that it's maybe just trying something new trying that mindfulness download the app get online have a look at some of the the websites and try it um and you may notice those sort of what people are doing to these small games just something to get you through oh yeah today was better because i did this um uh and and i guess just trying to trying to mix things up a bit as well you know it's, it's really difficult at the moment daily routines mundane same things happening day in day out for a lot of people try and mix things up as much as possible um but that would be my my tips i guess if if i were to give any if, if indeed you feel they are tips Louis, that's fantastic. You've mentioned some really interesting things there. So one is the the journey home and and using cognitive triggers to really um, switch your mind out of work mode into into home mode. Because like you said, it's a a very different meta program, so to speak. You're operating a different different subconscious meta programs when you're at home, which is family life versus actually being that the, the work GP who's there to sort problems out and there to, 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 to be the answer. Whereas at home, you don't necessarily have to be the answer you can, and, and you can unpack things in a very hu- human way. So, but using that trip home to be, to, to, to cognitively switch off. And, and even if that's a physical switch, windows down, podcast on, or just doing something to, 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 to try and switch your mind and transition, because it's all about how well or poorly yeah. and men quite poorly trans. I struggle with transition. So I very much take my work home. I very much really struggle to relax. And that's been a common theme. And so, but, but listen, that, 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 that was fantastic exercise i completely agree meditation again i can really relate to that and having that micro attention on on the breath and and just being an anthropologist so being an anthropologist of your own feelings being an observer of your own feelings knowing when you're holding stress in your shoulders or your body whether you're holding it in your in your in your gut in your or in your emotions and being being yeah being an anthropologist of your own uh, of your own physiology and, yeah. and, th- and that's accessed through that mindfulness through that micro attention into in, into where you're where you might be holding undue stress being able to commit subconscious practice into the into the conscious world so actually the the ability to transition the ability to relax actually needs to be a purposeful act because otherwise sometimes we come back to work equally as fraught, equally as frustrated or as tired as, yeah. as when we left. And actually what I've realized, one of my revelations is that if you don't purposely commit to relaxing and, 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 and that in, almost in, in itself seems like a fundamental error because thinking about relaxing means you're probably not relaxing, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but actually um, including some of these practices. So the, the, the practice of, of exercise and, and doing an exercise that you might love, be, albeit yoga, the gym, uh, running, swimming, cycling, and being able to disconnect. Meditation, um, hanging out with friends that bring you life and bring you energy, um, or, or family, 
Um, but all, all the sense of play. So a couple of things really just to unpack is that as adults, we really lose this sense of play and, um, and, and we depart. There's a big departure from that because there's a sense of responsibility at work very much as a GP, as a paramedic, as a nurse, but actually entering into that adult sense of play. Uh, away from work and, and allowing yourself to do that albeit with your kids or with your wife or with friends and that might be a game of football it might be um it, it might be going onto a go-kart track it might be it might be something fundamental as just as playing a video game but allowing yourself back into into that into that young mindset of, of 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 play and that concept of play and then and then to, and then the micro attention around around committing what would be a subconscious practice into a conscious practice one of the things we 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 do as adults lloyd and i'm i'm sure you're acutely aware of this is we commit a lot of our our conscious practice to subconscious uh, subconscious practice and that's a an energy saving evolutionary mindset so that we so that we can just focus on the narrow five to ten percent that we might need to yeah. but your subconscious practice may not be serving you in the, in the way that you need it to and actually one of my mandates was that i really could not disconnect and transition and relax and my subconscious meta programs around relaxing were not serving me so i would come back to work incrementally more stressed incrementally more tired not relaxed and 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 my subconscious programs needed to be needed to be adjusted so i think what you what you're saying really is 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 be attentive to the way in which you do transition into a, in, into relaxing because if it's not serving you you need to reevaluate um, yeah. so i think that's fantastic no i would agree definitely definitely um, so just coming into land lloyd it, I, i'm mindful we've been talking for about an hour now um just around some of the unintended positives and just to finish the conversation on a on a real positive note as well yeah. um in your own minds uh, lloyd could could you speak to maybe some of the unintended positive aspects of the that the pandemic's brought about for me it's and i'm sure everyone says the same with this family time okay so so spending lots of time with the family um i'll emphasize here you can't look too positively on this pandemic. I'm, I'm hugely aware of the trauma this has caused so many families personally as well. Um, so so it, I, I guess use the word unintended positives really well there because, you know, no one would have wanted these positives ideally. Um, but, but unintended, I guess, would be the family time. Um, I've I've managed to spend a lot more time with my with my daughter. Um, we have done the simple things that we maybe avoided previously as a family: um, the walks, um, the uh, sort of cooking, sitting down together, just because we've had maybe that little bit more time. So, so family time has been a great positive, and I, I'm sure Evan would say the same. Well, no, no, not not necessarily. A lot of people would say the same. Um, depending on what sort of functioning family life you have others may say well no a lot less time with my family but but for me more um now that's um so, so that's that's an unintended positive in my personal life um work life and i know you're probably not too keen to touch upon this too much but work life we saw a lot of red tape being cut very early on in this um i won't go too much into that but but a lot of changes happened very quickly and that was seen as a 
as an unintended positive here. We've changed the way we practice. We've changed the way our practice looks. We've changed our hygiene measures, the way we answer the phones, the way we do so many things and it all changed really quickly. Normally changes like that would take months, years, some of them, some of the big ones, because we'd, we'd analyze it, we'd approve it, we'd reflect on it. This time it was, poof, it's gotta be done and we did it. Um, that, that's definitely an unintended positive. And I don't think general practice will ever be the same again because of that. Um, and I, so I really do think that from a practical point of view is a positive. I just want to thank you for, for, for your honesty and your reflections over this conversation, Lloyd, because not only have they been insightful, but, but, but honest as well. So, uh, so thank you for that. You're listening to the Pre-Hospital Care Podcast on the Medics Academy Network.